so many joints I, oh, that you uh your ears start to ring no <laughs> no 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 that sounds serious mm. sometimes my ears ring yeah without joints they just ring tinnitus is that what that tinnitus? is yeah tinnitus there was a uh <clears throat> like the delay here all right we got delay here this is jason rouse and welcome to another episode of the safe word podcast uh my guest on today's show is the one and only matt edgar now the question that the fans have all been wondering is what is your middle name are you ready yeah you're gonna love it Say my name. What's my name? It's Matt Edgar, right? Is it Matthew on the birth well, certificate? Matthew on the birth certificate. Yeah. My mom misspelled my name. It's uh Has the Edgar been uh shortener length? No, that's the OG okay. original title. It's Matthew Edgar. Matthew ha- my mom messed up and she put one T in it. Edgar. So Matthew has two T's usually. Except for me. Is it is it some I'm, Celtic? I'm, mis- I'm missing a T. What? What's the middle name? Okay. My name is Matthew Allen Edgar. Allen's decent. Right? That's decent. Mm-hmm. There would, I think there's a lot of Allens. There's a lot of Matthew Allens. Yeah. I know at least one, which means there must be thousands. Uh, myself, I shared a surname with a Sean Rouse. Yeah, you did. I used to get you guys mixed up <laughs> a lot. Was it to his of, face, and he was not a kind guy when I would do no, that. No. Nah. No. <laughs> I saw him bite somebody on the patio. He told the me store. to fuck off one time. Yeah. I was like, Jason? He's like, fuck off. And I was like, what the fuck no. is this guy's problem? No. He had a, a very severe case of arthritis, and I was probably pretty high. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You were at the store. Well, what year did you move there? I think I moved, would you get there, 2000? To Comedy Store? Yeah. 2006? Seven. Seven? Yeah. Yeah, because I think you showed up a couple of years after I'd moved there. Mm-hmm. And, um, like, since 2007, how many people have you seen quit? Uh, you know what's funny <laughs> is that I've never really seen anybody quit. They just kind of peter off. Sure. Okay. And, I and mean, I forget about them. Yeah. I don't think anybody's ever declared I quit. We have a no. goodbye party. <laughs> no one cares. 
Nobody cares now. No. What ends up happening is when after make a while, those public announcements. I'm leaving show business. Yeah. You shouldn't do that. Just go. Just go. Nobody cares, man. No one cares. And usually, what happens is days turn into weeks and turns into years and next thing you know we're talking and it's like hey whatever happened to fucking yeah what was that guy's name the oh yeah i guess you know and we just never look back into it it's seasonal almost the characters are almost they come in like seasons like there'll be a guy that will be like really good for maybe six months whatever life gets in the way of his successes but for a period of time they're almost bulletproof Talk of the town, and then they don't even they don't even live here anymore. Yeah. Their life is completely different. Definitely, there's a lot of that. Well, show business is uh, it's um, it's uh, what's the word? It's they don't well. First of all, the best advice I ever got in show business was my first mentor, this guy Kip King. He's a uh, he's an improv guy. He he helped create the Groundlings. Mm. His son is Chris Kattan. So this okay. guy has star power in his loins. Um, one thing he told me was, uh, and it's a universal truth of all of, in all of show business, is that no one really knows what's going on. Yeah. Even all these billion-dollar execs, yeah. they own, you know, they're moguls, they've yeah. made a bunch of right choices, yeah. but they don't know what's going to happen. Yeah. And so I'm sure more often than not, they probably make bad choices, and those ones just go away, and you don't hear about them, and you actually hear about the things that get done. So I'm sure there's a lot of people that get sucked into that kind of philosophy. They want to be right opposed to have anything happen. Oh, this is the next big guy. This yeah. is the next thing. And uh, just watch. And he, that person is just a human. There's nothing yeah. mystical about that. No. So they're going to go through whatever. Hopefully they're headstrong enough. Hopefully they didn't you know, get pushed ahead of the line and weren't ready for it. That's That happens probably that's part of the american dream though that probably happens more than anything where somebody gets rushed to the front of the line and they don't have the skill like there's this guy there's this guy we knew he's not with us anymore young guy but he um he was pushed he was just pushed man like right out there and he was talented he was naturally charismatic um you know i would have seen a bright future for him Mm -hmm. they kind of fucked up by just pushing him and yeah they, they you know they was he in his 20s at yeah least? he's 20s and, he, and it's yeah. like they gave this kid all these huge adult responsibilities and he doesn't even really know himself yet you know and then he got a tv show it was a pilot and he was just shit faced there just yeah he just got drunk there and it was yeah. not good and it was supposed to be bought by this big network uh-huh. and end up going to the network's website the digital p- portion of this network so it didn't even make it onto tv and then Are you, you know, talking you about of, andy dick no <laughs> i would have just said andy dick <laughs> i wouldn't try to hide <laughs> uh but you know i think about guys that are just like veterans in it like uh steve simone i always go to that guy because he's so good and he's so polished mm. and if he were to get an opportunity like that he would not fuck it up yeah, he just has. He just knows thyself so well, and he's, well, you've guys seen so many people fuck up. Yeah, like the like the people you were referring to earlier. They've been kind of moved at the front. Sometimes you guys are all on the on the fences. Like, oh, this is, this is gonna be good. Mm. This kid is not cut out for this. I ignore it. Yeah, I clearly the, the noise. But there is like public execution level when you're at the comedy store performing 
on that stage, there's a level of standard that are people are accommodated to. Yeah. And um, when you see uh, somebody who's an actor who's been kind of ushered into the stand-up ring, and they're, they're very popular and very charismatic, Kramer. Michael Richards. Michael Richards. You know, he probably did that out of boredom, was putting his toe back in stand-up, yeah. I don't know. That was the year I moved, the Mencia shit. Yeah. And fucking Kramer, I've just moved. I think I got there like a month after the Mencia thing. (laughs) It's fucking nuts. And I might have actually, when the Kramer thing happened, it was definitely down to the wire. I mean, I was already looking up uh, Mike's. I'm from Long Beach. Yeah. So... That's not far from Hollywood. Mm-hmm. So to me, it, the dream didn't seem like this crazy. You came from a different country. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like there's people that came from all over the place really far. And I'm sure Hollywood, California was put on this pedestal. Oh, not yeah. that it wasn't for me, but it's like when I got my driver's license, I used to just go there. Me and my friends would just drive around Hollywood. Yeah, it's like the zoo. Yeah. For you. But it, but it made it more realistic. Mm. You know, when I graduated high school, the next week I was at the Groundlings taking improv classes. Yeah. It's like, uh, well... You know, I'm here. I want this. Um, I was always fascinated by what makes people laugh, like what the mechanism in laughter is. So I was obsessed. In high school, I had to figure out why do we do this? Why do we laugh? We're the only species that laughs like this. Um, So then, of course, I was going to get in. I I was always a fan of stand-up, always a fan of it. Did you catch probably, uh, you know, Second City, SCTV, John Candy, mm-hmm. Martin Short. Was that Mike McKinney? Um, uh, no, that's the kids in the hall. Was that the kids in the hall? Yeah, the kids Those in the hall. Those guys are Canadian also, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, but, but the, the the OG, it was like, uh, that's because oh, yeah. Dan Aykroyd, John Candy. No, but Dan Aykroyd was SNL. But he was, he was SCTV, SCTV first. Wow. He was he was a uh, Second City who, guy. Who was the, who was the guy... Um, from Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. That's Rick Moranis. Also SCTV. SCTV. Yeah, he was. You sure Chicago. Michael McKinney wasn't on SCTV? Mark McKinney. Mark McKinney. Mark McKinney. Mark McKinney. Who yeah, was yeah. also on Larry Sanders, wasn't he? Uh, no, that was the other kids in the hall. Uh, Mark McKinney was on SNL. Yeah, but he was one of those, one of the few guys that jumped over. But you're saying he was Kids in the Hall. Uh, Mark McKinney was on Kids in the Hall. Okay, and uh, but. Dan Aykroyd and Rick Moranis and John Candy were SCTV guys. Gotcha. Second City TV right. was the thing. So we had Python, Monty yeah. Python, which influenced Second City. And then we had like a classic stand-up, American stand-up. So that's why you get comics that look like British sitcom stars from the 80s. Oh. They're all kind of out there. Yeah. How, what, what Canadian comedian can you compare to another Canadian comedian? They're all completely different. Is it because there's not as many? No, because I think you only see the good ones. Right. Not today, but eventually you're going to run into a guy who's had huge successes. Uh-huh. Have you been to Canada? Yeah. I've been, I've performed there. I love Canada. Uh, I think Canadians are some of the best audience members, for sure. I know. I remember when they started doing the Canada shows at the store. Oh, yeah. I remember that. What's the dude? um, (laughs) Who's that big guy? He's pretty. Angelo Zarukas. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, He's a popular guy. Yeah. Um, And Russell Peters is a sweetheart. Uh Sweetest dudes I've ever met. Oh, yeah. He was just in town not too long ago. Here? Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, he's great. I uh, yeah, I've I've been to a few of his shows. Uh, like I got to go backstage, and it's like he's a rock star. Yeah, but he's also guys, uh, from back then. You remember? It's kind of impressive. You think about it. Like uh, right now, the arena comic is kind of you know there's a lot of them. Yeah, probably more than ever. Uh, but he was Russell Peters was doing arenas when comedy wasn't that fucking, ten years ago yeah, at yeah. least. Yeah, yeah, he wasn't. It wasn't that cool. Are you a sports guy? Uh, UFC mostly. Okay, see, same here. I I periodically watch it in because I know there's going to be comics sitting in the stands. Uh, it's very the the mixed martial arts game in comedy have crossed over like music and comedy did yeah. in the 70s. Oh, no doubt. I was hanging out with Sean O'Malley the other night. <laughs> Is it wild? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's like he's just as much of a fan of comedy as I am of, you know, MMA. So it's like wild, kind of right? cool, like, you know, crossover. No one's puffed up. It's all about being hilarious. Yeah. So there's a lot of people that come in. Like, I don't think Ric Flair's experience went very well. No. Nah. See, that's the thing. I don't think he really knew what he was getting into. No one does. Nah. <laughs> and he's also, you know, he's he's set in his old in his ways. Yeah, you know? and like I think he's like, the Ron Jeremy of wrestling. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, I'm sure that's he's that's a pretty accurate comparison. You should right. you should tell him that if you ever get a chance to meet him. <laughs> what an honor. <laughs> Ron Jeremy, man, he used to Wild. Fall, he used to fall asleep in the back of the OR. You've seen Ron Jeremy more than your family, haven't you? Uh, no. Are you sure? I've seen him a few times. In like, he's always sleeping at the Ding Dong Show. Like he's he'd go in the back of the OR, and I'd hear snoring. Oh, he'd be fucking sleeping. Yeah, and it's like, why did you come here? Yeah, you're rich and famous. I don't I don't know about rich. Yeah. Famous. Definitely famous. He never spent his money on anything. I don't know. Well, now it's all gone to waste. Isn't he, isn't he in prison right now? <laughs> he's raped a bunch of people. Yeah, yeah. What is that? Why, I, he's got a problem. I don't know why you need to r rape if you're literally hired to fuck. What is the worst thing you've been eyewitness to is just far of... Like, I've seen a lady smoke crack on the sidewalk in front of the comedy store. I saw a guy try to hang himself uh, in front I saw, of... I saw... I've seen murder. Oh, that's right. There was a murder. And I that's watched that all like, go down from really? beginning to end. Yep. So he shot him in the stairwell in the front. Yeah. Up the you stairs? You know how the... You know, it was kind of crazy like... Do you want uh, to tell the story? Because uh, I'm just... Is this, a, this is a pretty... Uh, this is a family podcast, right? <laughs> yeah, like, you could shoot him right. up on this one. Uh, yeah, I got there... Late. It was in, it was on a Tuesday. I'll never forget. It was on a Tuesday. And I remember that because everybody was in the belly room for roast battle. I think I was waiting to do a fallout because I wasn't booked. And uh, Eric, who's that guy? He passed away. Fuck, I'm blanking on his name. Very funny guy. Had the Taco Bell joke. Was he uh, with a fro? No, no. no? Eric Myers. Eric, Eric Myers. Myers. I Eric did Myers. the dice special with him. Oh, yeah? I did a road trip with him to Vegas. Eric was uh, was my buddy. Yeah, he's great. He was super good. Yeah. It was one of those guys He was where super fucked up his at the jokes, store. Yeah, he was fucked up. It was a hard time. I, I mean, I don't know the guy, but yeah. um, he was always super nice. But yeah, yeah. you tell he had some demons. Oh. But he, um, he was on stage. This is late. Yeah, I get there. He's on stage. I'm talking to somebody in the cover booth i'm on i'm on if you okay so if you could imagine where 
So you're in the original room, right? Mm-hmm. And you enter right next to that cover booth. There's that velvet rope and the curtain. Yeah. I'm on the other side of that curtain, right? So I'm there and I'm peeking into the 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 side of the cover booth, talking to whoever's in there, and I'm standing next to Josh Nasser. Yeah. And I think we're both <laughs> trying to get fallouts, you know, not thinking we're about to witness some crazy shit. All no is way. calm. Josh is great during a fire because he's useless. Dude, I, I'll tell you this, man. He was the most fearless dude there. I mean, no. we all hit the ground. First, you hear two shots, and it's very confusing because it's so loud. The last one I saw. Yeah. I saw the guy because where he Was works, he masked up? So No, he had a hoodie on. So where, where I saw him, like, if you're looking down those steps, and they have those double glass doors at yeah. the end where you enter from – when it would get late, they would close one. They would close the door to yeah. If you're walking in, it's on the left, but if you're looking out where I'm looking, it's on the right. So that door was closed. The other one was open. The It happens right in front of that closed door. So like I see the guys, and, and he shot, I'll never forget, because it was like, he did that ghetto, like... Side shot? The side shot. Yeah, yeah it wasn't like, it wasn't, it's like he really just went up and he could have just like... Jabbed him touched. with the gun. Yeah. yeah. So... Then he runs. He's holding it like a taser. The crazy thing is, the guy, it was like a cowboy. Like, the way it, when it hit him, he backed up against that glass door and slid yeah, down. Yeah, yeah, and there's yeah, just yeah, that yeah. trail of blood. It was, like, it was like a movie, dude. And uh, we went out there. And Josh, I heard he was Josh, holding Josh him. Just, Josh went straight out there. I followed behind him. <sighs> He gets down with the guy. The guy was like, my leg, my leg. And, and his leg was definitely shot up. But I was, I mean, he had a white T-shirt on. And I'm just like, ah, it's more than the leg, brother. And then it's got to the point where he's fading. And we're just like, Josh is still up in his shit. And I was like, bro, we need to back off, man. This is it. Yeah. We don't, but there's nothing we could do for this. Wow. Guy. So we, we walked away. Wow. And, and then away, they put we, security cameras at the store. All oh, the it changed week. the whole culture. Yeah. Because now we have security guards. Now we have yeah. cameras. You, you couldn't get away with that now. It was so Wild West. It was like a tavern. Yeah. From the gold rush. Yeah. It was insane. And then <laughs> I, I'll never forget there is, because How many so times many things, have you seen Ari's cock? Oh, God. Well, great segue. Um... <laughs> I mean, a lot. That's dude. the meter. I've, I've gone yeah. camping with him. I've yeah. gone, you know, we've we've slept. No, we've he's good. We, beds. He, he is to be trusted, but trusted to be himself. Ari will always, yeah. you can always count on Ari being Ari. Oh, you can always count on Ari, period. He's one of the most yeah. um, reliable, generous people I've ever met in my life. He is a peach, isn't he? I remember he, when I did his podcast and he paid me. And yeah. I was like, no one pays. Yeah. Because I he pay. He was doing that in the beginning. In the beginning. He was. We're he talking was, nine years ago. Right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. He would pay me fifty dollars. I also, I, I, I was in a good spot. You know, he would um when he started making fans, I'm trying to have real fans, and he was yeah. such a cool guy to be a fan of because he was very approachable. You know, and we would be in his apartment in in Hollywood behind Pink Dot, you know, uh-huh. right, like a block from the store. Yeah, and he would have me. He would hire me to help him ship his merch yeah but we would have to package package it and sometimes they would have sometimes these guys would send ari a note yeah so and ari would respond yeah if you wrote him anything extra he would respond and then give him a little extra stuff and it was just like very cool he was always super cool to his fans these he's one of the guys that if he was a fan of somebody, how he'd like to be treated. Yeah. And does that 
twice. Right. Like just anybody. Again, Russell Peters, he would sit out at the table for four hours, shaking hands and taking pictures. A whole stadium. Yeah. Wild. I'm yeah, like, no. And I, then I, he goes, sit, sit with me. And I'm like, no, no, he, I can't. I, think I these, can't sit here this long. I'll have a panic attack. Yeah. Comedy fans need to know. I mean, for well, for one, we are Hours. very, we, we are very like awkward people. And we don't like, I mean, I, I go to the green room until everybody leaves. But, um, but that doesn't mean I don't really enjoy, you know, when somebody comes up and appreciates oh, my work. Sure. And does not mean I won't give them the time. And I think comedians are like that comedians that are successful it was not easy they are nobody for so they they spent at least a decade embarrassing themselves yeah. every time they went on stage yeah so that kind of builds like y y your ego can't be too crazy i mean there's obviously some real egos in this in this business but even those guys it's like there there's a lot more humanity to them because they struggled like i know guys that are millionaires that were living in cars and shit yeah. they don't they don't veer too far away from the from that part of themselves no yeah i always i think anybody that worked in the service industry or a blue collar uh jobs or even grew up in a time where it wasn't the best part of their life mm -hmm. as they gained successes and stuff. It's like, but then there's some people that just grew up like you work with your homies, like Adam Sandler, mm -hmm. you know, always works with his, his boys and people he trusts. Yeah. That's hard to uh, acquire in this business. What do you mean? Trust? I don't know how the Wu-Tang Clan has stayed together. Are they original members? I don't know. I haven't been to a Wu-Tang show. I did go to a Gangstar show and opening for Rage Against the Machine. Oh, that's sick. That was a sick show. I went show. to a Bone Thugs. Oh, yeah? So good. Okay. Didn't one of their members recently die? Oh, I don't know. I think there was a, a Bone Thugs murder. <laughs> Wouldn't be surprised. Um, <laughs> I was more of a, a naughty by nature kind of guy. Uh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, I was more into the late 90s hip-hop. Like, I think late 80s, early 90s for me. Late 80s, early. Oh, okay, I see. You like the hippity hoppity. Do you know uh, Warren G? Yeah, of course. Warren G, um, Russell Peters brought Warren G to my house to buy weed. Oh, my God. At four in the morning uh, for the uh, during the Up and Smoke tour in 2001. Wow. Um, and then we went and then I smoked weed with Dr. Dre and oh, how cool. sold him some weed. That's so cool. That was fun. Yeah, well, those guys. The, the, that, I mean, that whole yeah, he's. If you're in the hip hop, there's nobody that's more I, of an encyclopedia. I almost, I almost like you don't need to be in the hip hop. Like those guys are just icons. Oh, for sure, they're living legends. Uh huh. If you see, uh, you know, if you see, yeah, like Snoop, Snoop walk in, like you don't have to be a rap guy i mean you just if you have to be maybe a certain age just to remember like how you can smoke ruled. cigarettes in the room by association can you've been around Chappelle enough can you light up in the uh it's just i've never really seen you oh because what you mean cigarettes yeah i don't smoke cigarettes no but if you you would smoke a joint if you were sitting in the green room at the store and Chappelle was smoking a joint see the store is not a real place it's yeah. not a point of reference yeah it's like oh what rule everything's black here Right, even the people. Even the people. It's just 
Clown town. Yeah, it's uh, it's where you go to avoid growing up at all costs. I mean, yeah. that's really what I feel like we're doing here. How far was... Um, were you living within walking distance of the store? Mm-hmm. Actually, when Ari moved you to New York, spot? he gave me his apartment and paid for it for like a oh, year. that's right. He was selling his couch and stuff, too. Yeah, and I would just... I basically just had to manage his his apartment. Yeah. Because the, the building was going to be taken down, and they so they're trying, to bought it, they're yeah. trying to buy him out, but his whole thing was like, oh. you know, that crafty, they had work cut that crafty for them. Jew in him was like, no, 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 no. If I wait, it's the, that number is going to go up. Yeah. He's making enough money where he could have two places and also i think when you move out to like you want to know you have a home base in la just in case you know what i mean so Mm -hmm. like yeah i I just hit the jackpot it was the most (sighs) sex i ever had in my life yeah it was like the first time i had my own pad the window faced the parking lot didn't it yeah the yeah of um well of the parking lot of uh pink dot yeah yeah i love that that window did you see some fucked up shit in that parking lot because i've done some fucked up shit in that parking lot I mean, I've hooked up with girls in there. But yeah, I've I've not like no. I mean, it's just a pretty lit up parking lot. It's what's, a lot of traffic in there. What's the hotel next door to the uh, the store? The one with the, the Hondas. The Hondas. Hondas. The Hondas. It I used to be the Hyatt. It used to be like that rock and roll Hyatt. I remember. But like uh, Aerosmith would go. Yeah. All these those crazy rock bands. Do you ever see um, what's it called? Uh, Almost Famous. Yeah. Like you see them running across the street from sunset. You actually quickly you could see the comedy store. Okay. And Joe Rogan's name's on the marquee. Uh, this is like takes place in the seventies or whatever. And yeah, like, oh, yeah, Joe's yeah, been yeah. at it a long time. That's hilarious. But then they're going to that. They're going to that Hyatt, and it's like the shots from inside are like just this party, floor to floor, just parties through the halls and stuff. But now it's the Andas. And it's super classy joint. And I've been to a couple of parties in there, but yeah. again, you're on the Sunset Strip. People come in there, and you said with preconceived, like you grew up in California, uh, um, um, Long Beach, which is a stone's throw. What is it, forty minute drive? Yeah, yeah, without traffic. Sure. And um, Hollywood is a um, people buy into it right right off the plane. People yeah. are changing their names. Their their accents. Mm-hmm. I've heard it. You know, Tripoli says you got to meet them at the airport if you want a girlfriend in L.A. Because the time they they've grown up in L.A., they've <laughs> all routed her up together and share. They start to look the same and yeah. simulate each other. Well, I just think there's a lot of pressure in that town to be beautiful all the time. Oh yeah, and uh, I think that fucks with people. Big time. But I think the most important. I think sex appeal is is a huge commodity in specifically in that city that's very sexually predatorial sure yeah but i don't know about i don't know if that applies to our nectar or i'm sorry not nectar but our uh neck of the woods yeah you know what i'm saying no no, no that's the great part and i don't even think it. you need to be ugly and calm that's not what i'm saying either yeah. i think you need to be genuine yeah and when you're not that's not funny mm-hmm. it's you know I think what's funny about us is definitely there, it's something genuine. That's why everybody's different. That's why you're not competing with anyone. Mm-hmm. When you think you're competing with anyone, you're actually you're thinking about the wrong things. Oh, there's another fucking skinny white dude with a like long hair, or like he looks emo. And yeah, anybody who's been fucking... on an audition in L.A. knows. Maybe you, if you're an actor, yeah. maybe it's like that. If you're an actor and you're playing by those rules, but. 
comedians we just got to get to the the bottom of ourselves i mean that is the journey it's yeah. nothing else matters i hear people that are worried about getting old like you know, all of our favorite comedians you know growing oh, I'm up fine yeah yeah they were all like you didn't hear about them until they were like in their 40s or 50s but in even either way though it's like it's Fuck it. you're you're gonna be when you're completely yourself shamelessly um, and you, at that point, had been doing it long enough to acquire the skill, you know? I mean, at that point, then you're cooking. And it doesn't matter how old you are. It doesn't matter how ugly you got, how fat you got. Like, it's just... Jim Gaffigan. Essence. Yeah. Like, that guy is... His last special, I don't know if you watched it. The, the dark one? Uh, I think the most recent one, maybe in the last two or three months. So I just listened to an album. I don't know if they made a special out of it. There's an album called, I want to say, Dark pale i don't know oh oh i think that was a special pre uh there's a new one okay well the one i just listened yeah. to and i i, I know the i one was that... in a long i was on a i was on a long uh i was driving somewhere and i wanted to listen to a comedy he's one of my favorites <laughs> so, so i i so threw on good. the old i used to love beyond the pale that was like my yeah. favorite one and i wanted to see if it's still i don't think i've listened to it since i've been a comedian mm -hmm. so that's a long time not listening to what was my favorite comedy album and i'm listening to it and i could see where it's funny but you know, i just note at this point it's like that's you know dated stuff and it's like you know like I, I love gaffigan and at the time he was it was great and not to say it doesn't hold up at all but it's just like there's just i've there the comedy has changed evolved since then so then i noticed he had a new one so i put on the new one and I mean, in that first that first track, I am alone, right? I'm driving alone. I am laughing out loud as if I'm with friends, like yeah. just dying. Yeah. Like it, it, it grabbed me immediately. Yeah. It's funny because it's it's Jim Gaffigan, but dark. Yeah. Imagine a dark Jim Gaffigan. You talk about death, plane crash, illness, and because he's so endeared and plugged into his audience, it's he doesn't even have to apply that much pressure. He just has to uh, uh, um, lean in that direction, and everyone's like, "Ah, oh, you yeah. know." It, it, it's he's got he's like Shiatsu. He's uh, Shiatsu, like all the pressure points. Oh right, 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 on, right, He's right, on right. all yeah. the funny muscles. He just know, yeah, he knows exactly what yeah. he's doing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Know? I wonder if he comedy anatomy. He's, I wonder if when he was making that album. If it like when he was first trying these jokes on, I would love to talk to him about that. Like when he started trying these new types of jokes because they're dark. I mean, people are going there to hear him make fun of food. Yeah. And he's talking, he's this first joke is like, there's a plane crash and it took like three minutes to hit the ground. It's like, that's a long time. Like, like, you know, somebody was calling for the uh, stewardess on the way down, like <laughs> <laughs> ordering drinks and shit. Uh -huh. the pilot just making the announcements. Like we yeah. will be arriving on the ground and like, you know, yeah. it was just so funny and dark just, and then he even like, then he goes from there into some other dark shit. And then afterwards he's like, you know how he does that thing where he does the impression of the uh, the Midwest woman audience member? Like, oh, I don't yeah. think that... He, he turns into that and he goes something like, "What? when are we going to get food jokes? Like, yeah. he's also aware that he's doing this different thing. And know? it's almost... It's so tried and true that when he announces, 
when's he going to do the food jokes? You're kind of there, too. You're yeah. like, yeah, when is he going right. to do the food jokes? Well, that's jokes. what I yeah. thought. You know, that's yeah. what everybody thought when they bought the ticket. Yeah. You know, and but like that just that's just like mastery of the craft. Like he's evolved even now. He's, he's got to been doing it more than 30 years. I mean, he's got to have been doing it. I don't know how old he is, but I'd imagine he probably started doing it around the time I was born. Like, yeah, at least I remember seeing him and Ian Bag come into the uh, Hollywood Hostel. Oh, and yeah. uh, this is 2001. Was that in Santa Monica? No. That was in Hollywood? That was in Hollywood, uh -huh. off of Hollywood, and uh, and I should know this. Uh, and Ian and Brody and, um, uh, fuck, world champion. Judah. Judah would come in. And uh, I was like, this is fucking wild. Yeah. And it was the first time I seen Brody. He had pictures of uh, him with famous bands. <laughs> and... Um, <laughs> Yeah, he, and he, these these uh, uh, hostile audience, mm. uh, like people from all over yeah. the world, and they're most of them are in their twenty year old kids, and he's screaming at them about anthrax, <laughs> and this is me with Scott Ian of the band, and then go through their school history of all these different people. He that had he done met. a show. And he, I think he only did it once, and I didn't. It was before I started stand-up, but I always thought it was such a funny concept, and I would bug him to do it. Could you bring that back? It's called All Things Brody. Yeah. And he did it at the improv, and it was basically a PowerPoint presentation of All Things Brody. Yeah. And it's like has him with all the celebrities, and he has a laser pointer, and he's like, this is me and Mike Tyson. Yeah. Yes, he gets it. And like I, I just never saw it. I can only imagine. I never saw it. There's no footage of it. There's no, you know, it's just something that happened. I saw the uh, he at his at his apartment. He had like uh, the posters for it, and I was just yeah. like, dude, if you just do this, because that's basically what he did anyways. Yeah, you know what I mean, his act was just bragging about pathetic stuff. I think the Hollywood didn't have a system in place for that kind of artists. And well, you know, I don't, and it's that's why. That's why art right now is is so. Um, it's great. It's great because you could publish yourself. Yeah. And I think he came from that old guard where he yeah. thought making it was getting on a TV show, yeah, no. getting in movies, and and uh, that's unfortunate that, that when he, I saw the billboard of YouTube across the street from mm -hmm. the store on that the hotel you said the name of. Yeah. Uh, I was does. like. <gasps> Oh shit! This used to be network television oh, promos yeah. and movies, well, and they just do. They don't even know what to do with the business part of it anymore. Because with streaming, and, yeah. and that's why they're going on strikes. And then, like, people on YouTube are making more money than people on television. They're getting more views. You know, Ari made Jew yeah. his special on YouTube. Dude, there's no doubt that he got way more yeah, views yeah, and money great. than if he would have sold it to Netflix. Hey, when he walked away from the Storyteller show, it was the writing was on the wall. Yeah, uh, that was another baller ass punk rock move. Because who's gonna who's gonna work their whole career to be on this one dinky network yeah. that they're telling you this is the only game in town? I was shocked when I'd heard. I'm like, that's a weird thing to do now. Yeah, when you're on top. When, like, when, when would a better time be though? If you think about it, like he, I think he was two seasons in. Oh, it was good for him, but why would they pull a power move like that and force you go like this guy is? He's, he's gonna be around for a minute. Right. You're gonna have to work with. And he him. just wanted to be on Netflix. He just yeah. That's the thing about Ari is I don't know anybody who's more free 
he is free. If there, if you want to talk about making it, what making it means to you, you could do all the things. You could think, you know, I want a mansion. I want to, you know, I want to be able to travel. I want all the things that cost money. Um, Ari's free, man. He could do whatever he wants. If he wants to dip out of the country, traveling is key for like uh for like a couple months and live in a hut in South America. He'll fucking go. You know, he'll no more dates. I'm going to do this. I'll be back then. And then he'll come back to the city, start working shit out, you know? Because comedy is so globalized now that you can literally... Yeah, it's a hell of a time to be doing this. It's the best time ever to be doing this. It's wild. Because it's somebody like me and this that... is from a guy who grew up in California, spent a large... Or most of your career in Hollywood, who's yeah. now in Texas. Yeah. That doesn't seem like something that would even be discussed five years ago. No way. You're going to be in Austin. You'd be like, you turn into a Hollywood asshole. And like, I don't think so, pal. No, I mean, I mean, in Hollywood isn't, that was like more convenient to me. I also just think, okay, my philosophy this whole time, if you really want to know, mm. is that it's, it's all to me, it's always been, I need to be where the bar is the highest. I need to be able to follow anyone. Yeah. The Olympics. When, when I'm at the comedy store, you know, and God bless that place, put me on you know, I was 21 when I got a door guy job there. They passed me when I was 25. I'd gotten thrown into the lion's den yeah, and, and, and happened to go up there, uh, you know, <laughs> after the greatest comedians on the planet. And I was not anywhere near the greatest comedian on the planet. And so, but I, my, my objective became make it make sense that I'm on this show. If Bill Burr goes on, I he think brings you learned up, this probably from Ari because he was the architect of like, being with the best, working at the club, mm -hmm. moving through the system of the comedy store, and relatively new to the game. Where you look at man, if if Bill Burr is going to go on and I'm up next and he's going to bring me on, I can't let the audience be like, <laughs> "What the fuck just happened?" They need to look at it like it's all one sm smooth show. Yeah, like it all makes like sense. You know like, oh, the doing. Bill Burr's. Then this other guy came up, and then you know, like yeah. that's the shit I wanted to be around. Yeah. And that happens at the time. It was only L.A. or New York. Yeah, and I just felt like L.A had accepted me the store had accepted me gave me a place to fail for a long time and so i felt like this is uh this is where i belong for now um you're in the great university yeah and then you know this place my friends moved out here and i'm seeing it on the rise i'm, I'm in a place in my comedy journey where i'm on my 17th year and yeah. i feel like the store can't give me anything else. They gave me everything that they ever, they never needed to give me anything. They gave me a whole place to learn. And like I said, fail for so long. Um, and now it's at the point where there's nothing else to get from there. And comedy, the business has changed where you don't need to be here. And I'm seeing all these new guys coming in and there's a bunch of new paid regulars. And I kind of feel like now's a good time to go. Now's a good time to go. It's yeah. like I gave it a hell of a run. It's been a dream. Yeah. I always wanted to be a part of that place. Done. Yeah. Name on the wall. That will be there forever. Yeah. Um, why don't I get out now? Let the kids take over. I always remembered because like when I was a kid, there was a lot of older guys that were like fucking bitter. Man. Savages. They, well, they, there's these old dudes. 
that w- that never left and they stayed and they started getting less and less because yeah. you guys were coming on and they just came in and they were bitter and it was just it made me tired their yeah. energy made me tired and and i didn't see myself becoming that but i mean i don't know when that hits I, luckily i've always been young in it so like watch you know, doug stanhope's new movie road dogs which addresses exactly what you're talking oh, i about. thought you're running an ad right now no <laughs> no it's uh you know it, that guy he plays that guy who you're yeah, talking about. Yeah, well, I just about. think, like, you don't want to be bitter. And, and I wasn't bitter, but I didn't want to ever get anywhere near it. I didn't want to see where one day I would be. I thought, now's a good time. Move out. Um, and you know what? It could have went to, to New York or Austin. I chose Austin because, again, where I'm at, if I were to go to New York now, I, I'm at the bottom of a whole new totem pole. Five years. Um, and of horse it, shit shoveling until I until I start getting like <laughs> club spots and stuff yeah. like that. I've been doing this so long. It's like at this point, it's not even an ego thing. It's like no, I'm I need to work. I can't just be doing free spots and um, hanging out with your pals and hanging out with my friends in New York when yeah. it's so expensive there. Anyways, yeah. like this scene, Austin is emerging. Um, the freshness is there's such such good energy. I haven't really come across too much bitterness. I feel like they're too young to be bitter by yeah, now. So children. The kids are fucking fun, you know, and I feel young around them. What are you, 34? Seven. 37. And yeah, I don't so feel they're like children. I'm, they're like 22. Yeah. A lot of yeah. Them. They just had their first death. Yeah. And so I'm like watching them go. I'm like, you know, like you guys I, have no idea what you got coming down the pipe. In. Yeah. yeah. But you, but you know, it's like it's nice to be this veteran in this fresh scene. Um, you know, I feel like I feel a lot of respect, but I also feel like there's there I could bring something to the scene. It's not mm. what can the scene give me. You know, Tony Hinchcliffe, he was like, um, you, you know, when we were talking before I moved out, he was like. You know, he's always trying to sell me on Austin, sell me on the mothership. And I was like, well, how do I even get into the mothership? And he was like, well, the, the question is not how do you get into the mothership? The question is, what can you bring to the mothership? Yeah. And I just thought that was the greatest way to approach anything. You know, like I was a kid. I had nothing to offer when I got to the store. They gave a lot to me. Yeah. Um, I couldn't bring anything. They gave so much. I feel like where I'm at now is no longer a place to be given anything. What can I give? Mm. And uh, and that's what I'm. That's been my approach to Austin, to the mothership, to any other spot I do. It's like I'm I'm still new here, um, and I'm bringing what I got to this scene. Yeah, you've definitely had a unique experience. I, I was very happy to see you in Austin. I'm like, we made it. Mm-hmm. You got out of, of Shawshank. <laughs> because it, yeah. it is a it's it's a heavy place to live and be at constantly. Yeah. And if you're not on the road or getting a little bit of a different experience outside of the bubble, mm-hmm. it is uh, pressing. But they are definitely getting a taste of that here. I think the, the it's a different kind of pressure. It's black well, industry is all comedy related. It's not like they have the anxiety of film and TV. Right. That's a beautiful thing yeah. too. But even if they did, I just think these, these, these kids, a, a, another reason why I would never go to another, I would never live in another scene. It's not about the scene. It's not about the people in the scene. I don't think that I'm better than people in Denver or Nashville or whatever other scenes that there are. I just think that it, it needs to be where the bar is the highest. And when I say highest, I don't just mean great comics out there because I know that there's funny. Funny could come out of anywhere. Oh, yeah. But um, I mean like the, where the, the star power 
matches some of the talent. Like mm-hmm. when I say, um, you know, like I follow Sebastian Maniscalco, it's like that's not only a, a fucking cold-blooded killer, but he's so popular that what am I supposed to do? I followed yeah. – there was one night. It was um, oh, Ian no. Edwards. Jesus. Who brought up Gerard Carmichael, uh-huh. who brought up Chris Rock, yeah. who brought up Dave Chappelle, uh-huh. who brought up Matt Edgar. Jeez. And that's what, and that was, and it was a good set. And it was like, yeah. that's the bar. That's yeah. what I mean. I don't mean that people, oh, if you're, I don't trust if you're from Phoenix, there's no way you're that good. It's like, no, do you, it's that you guys, you guys are the best to each other. You want an outlaw to come in here, and you I swear you'll get better. When I was at the store, I was like, I got very stagnant, the late night scene. I was doing late night for so long, and yeah. I just knew how to do it. So it was yeah. like very easy, and it wasn't like, just didn't take much from me. And then they passed two people. They passed uh, Ron Taylor mm-hmm. and Brian Simpson. Okay. And, and they put them straight in the late night with me. And then some fresh I, blood. I had to get better. Those yeah. guys were coming in fucking killing yeah. with jokes. I used to think like, well, it's late. You got to talk to the crowd. And that might have worked. But these guys were doing that and they had jokes. And I was not going to let these fucking dudes do better than me. Yeah. So I had to get better and better and better and match that kind of skill. And that made me better for it, mm-hmm. you know? I so, would bomb every night after Chappelle at the Laugh Factory, like six nights in a row. That's part of it. And if you're not if you're not in a scene that gives you that, and you're just killing hard oh, yeah, in front yeah. of all you other dudes that that's are killing hard. Tell like, these Canadians that come over here mm-hmm. is like it's just the only way out is put yourself next to the best and yeah. the greatest. Yeah, it's the only way you're going to see where you stand in the Olympics because <clears throat> being on the uh, farm team is no one's coming. I mean, yeah, dude, I just, to me, it's like, it's not enough to be uh, really good. It's like, I'm I'm looking for greatness. Yeah. I want to be the best ever. You've and seen if, it. Uh, I, it's seen very real. It's a bunch real. of times. Yeah, it's, yeah, I've, yeah, I've yeah. Felt it's magic. It. It's close. It's, it's like, wild. I don't have to, it's not so far beyond me that it's just yeah. this pipe dream. It's that, no, no, no. I, uh. I, I've been doing it this long. I could tell what I need to work on. And I, I know that will, will always be something else to work on. And that's the thing. You got to love it. If yeah. you don't love the whole process of mm-hmm. it, then, yeah, man, you, you should find something a little more safe. And I think that's what a lot of these COVID comics that have come in uh, have found that they, it didn't really kind of unfold they weigh, they thought if they show up, they would get a place to sit. Mm. And the table's always been full. Unless you have a unique talent and you're committed to the cause, no one's really interested. Just what can you bring to the table? Yeah. That's like really the, the most purest mindset. And I think that's the way anything should be approached by yeah. anyone. Everyone just, what can you bring? You want to be a part of something? What do you bring to that something? Is that Not what, just what they give you, because that's what we all want. We all want to, to be praised. We all want to get in at the clubs. We all want to get the, the, the fancy job that's with the raise and all that. But what are you bringing? If you're not bringing anything of value, then what makes you think you deserve it? For me, I know the value I bring. So if I don't get what I what I want, then I just feel like, well, they're wrong. But yeah. That's okay. They, you know, they're, they're whoever the gatekeepers are that make these decisions. They're faced with all kinds of decisions to make, and if I'm not the top of their thing, that's one thing. Fair but enough. all I all I know is that my game is going to be as great as possible, and that's not yeah. going to be the reason why th- that's a no. Yeah. No, it's good. There's a lot of self management 
it's all mental. Yeah, it's totally mental. Yeah, I mean, you really, you know, like you got to be headstrong in a way you can't <laughs> imagine. You know, I've I've had to go do, I've had to go do shows. You know, hours after a loved one would die. Yeah. And like, I have to go be the funny guy right now. Can you imagine? People take time off work. If if I'm if I have a show and people are there yeah. to see me and they're already there, you know what I mean? Like, man, I'm not to say that would never happen where there's there I would just have to cancel. Mm. I'm not saying that, but I mean, more times than not, you know what I mean? Like, I've had to like pull my fucking pants up and go and to you know put that stupid smile on and i don't mm-hmm. feel that that way and I, think about it any day you could not be in a good mood any day you could be a little under the weather you're a little bit more tired a little bit more grumpier um but we still have to give it that that showmanship that we sure. bring to it like that's 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 our responsibility to maintain that through thick and thin I was in a taxi on the way to showcase for Jamie at the Laugh Factory, and my father died. Jesus. Yeah, it was brutal. Fortunately, I visited him in the hospital weeks earlier, and we did our goodbyes then. Uh-huh. But uh, on the way, I just moved to L.A. Mm-hmm. I think Russell had made a call for me and got me on a showcase on a Saturday. Come down. They're going to put you on for five minutes. Mm-hmm. Jamie's going to be there. I come in and go, my dad died. <laughs> Well, <laughs> and he goes really, and I go, don't worry, I'm cool, I'm cool, I'm cool. And uh, I went up, and well enough that Jamie called me into his office and say, hey, I would be interested in working with you in the future in some form or another, blah blah blah. And uh, yeah, it was totally that. Just I took the plunger and just pushed all those feelings. Where, yeah, uh, all the way down. Just you to, could get to it. It's almost like it's like all right. I'll, I was grateful for the distraction. Uh, yeah, and then I'll get back to this. I'll get back to yeah. the, the morn. I'll begin this grief. You, know you learn I mean? how to box up your feelings mm-hmm. and put them on a shelf because they're not. Well, yeah, because them. think about it. When you tell jokes, we've told them before, so it's yeah. like I'm my my job is to blur the lines between jokes and conversation, so sure. you can't even tell that I've been saying this to a bunch of people. The element of surprise that I hit you with, I'm not surprised. And mm-hmm. the audience from last night, they're not surprised now either because they were, and then I showed them. So, like, we have to be good at retelling these jokes with all the same commitment and emotion and conviction. And if we don't, it comes a little, it falls flat. So in order to do that, you really got to compartmentalize. And that goes for anything else that happens in your day. You go, you're going through a breakup. You got to go to that show that night. And it's oh, like, I mean, you ever have a fight there. with a girlfriend before yeah, you're supposed brother. to go on TV? <sighs> I've had all kinds. Or, I've, I've I mean, blatant sabotage. We're yeah. like, I got it. You know, today I'm going. Today's Why like, are you doing this yeah. now? And you're just in the bathroom like this. <sighs> mm-hmm. Have you? Is that? Yeah, I mean, dude, yeah. there's been like, there's been times where I've been at the show and we got into a bad one, and, oh. and she's back there, and I'm up, and yeah. I'm just like thinking about that, and I'm 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 trying to pretend that terrible. I'm not terrible, sad or mad, yeah. Or, but that's the showman is that you just you gotta fucking <laughs> suck so for bad. the next however long I'm Sucks up here so bad, yeah. But you know that's. That's like, I, I feel like we've wired our brains to be able to do that a lot easier. Like maybe that's a muscle that I worked out. I'm able to like, uh, you know, I could, I could put my feelings aside long enough to You've get been in it. chaos for so long mm-hmm. that you're like, a th- like that thousand mile stare. Mm-hmm. Like 
oh, you guys going to do something weird? I go, I've been in the belly of the beast mm -hmm. in the comedy scene in Hollywood, California with the, arguably the, maybe the best generation of the club. Yeah, I think. Schubert so. said that. He goes, I think this is better. Wow. That's, that's, that's he was there. From him. Yeah, he was there. Yeah, I think so. I also think that like comedy right now is just so much harder. Like it hits harder. It's about like it's more real than it was because the then. news sucks so bad that people are turning to comics it, like they did folkies it, in, in the in this in the fifties. Yeah, 60s. right. Like World War One. Like, yeah. Um, well, you know, like the in the government. Think about the the comedy in the eighties was like the biggest boom. I guess you know mm -hmm. that everybody wants to talk about that. What else was happening in the world? Not to say that there wasn't devastation and horrible shit. I think but it was all drug related. I don't think there was a collective like these times are hard. I mean, we're doing comedy post global pandemic yeah. and that that changes the <laughs> that changes the minds of the of the audience it's like before the pandemic you know i changed during the pandemic comedically like i yeah. changed like i was before the pandemic stand-up to me was always very self-serving it was like masturbatory it was i did it i love getting i love making people laugh for me because i needed that kind of attention because i came from a broken home and i was broken and that's what made me feel better about myself is validation and then the pandemic happened and it all goes away kind of cleans the palate in a lot of ways like now i don't have that it was validation great. now I'm i felt rested well i mean i felt like there was no point in living because the one thing that always <laughs> validated me was gone and yeah. i realized how much i used comedy to mask Oh yeah, know, yeah, real, real identity. trauma. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I, it was a mask, and then when it started coming back, the first thing I noticed was audience members after the show they would come up to me and just be so grateful. Before the pandemic, it was always, "Hey, good job, that was funny, good set," and it was like not that they took it for granted, but they kind of it just didn't mean as much to them. Post pandemic, the audiences came to me like I delivered their medicine because they heard our stories. Well, they were in isolation. Everybody had earphones in listening to something that made them feel better. Yeah. And they gravitated it, towards your mom's house or Joe or, or whatever. Well, I just think it was like entertainment. It was, we didn't have live entertainment. Dude, stand up. If you're at a stand up comedy show, this is the most intimate live performance you're going to get. More than a stripper, more than anything. Like, dude, you, you are, you are there. There's nothing but you and the, and the, the, the audience and the performer. And what the performer is saying, the whole audience audience collectively is picturing it yeah. this is theater of the mind you guys are meeting me halfway yeah that's why i say like i don't ever just kill alone we kill the room is killing if it wasn't for all of us imagining the same thing and finding the funny in it together then none of this happens that's what keeps it real that's what keeps it honest yeah. it's like this is the common denominator is that right now everything that is being said we see in our mind's eye i look at it as my best way i can hold on to the rest of the world is in a performer right. audience totally. scenario that's as close that, as i'm gonna get i feel like it's one hand holding mine and i feel a connection mm -hmm. through a safe space and i didn't really get that sense before for the pandemic is again, it was so much more about me than when I, when I, when I started noticing what I'm giving to people, my whole game got better. I became way more mature and responsible as a comedian because it, it was like, okay, well I need to do this for them also. Cause part of being a, a an active member, a contributing member of society. And this is a society where a bunch of ants in an, in an, in an ant farm trying to, 
make the world work by everybody throwing down what they got, what what service they could give. This is my, I've been blessed enough with this gift of funny. I cannot let that go to waste. The best way to honor it is put, really focus on it and make sure it's great. Make sure the product is great for the customer. Cause it's not like anything else that you, you give to a customer. It's like, it's something that makes them happy. I'm in the business of happy. You've clearly made a decision not to have children. Uh, it's not been a. It's not. It, it's not on my um, to do list. No. Yeah. It's not that never, but that would have to. That would be a great blessing, but it's not. It's not a priority. Yeah. No. Yeah, I think I'm not sitting there going. No, I'm talk never about your creative muses as a because that's what I give to the world. Yeah. I don't, I'm not giving another human being and, and God bless the ones who do. That's what we're supposed to do is procreate. But I, I am here for the people that are here now. Mm-hmm. And, um, and if they need a laugh, me and my fucking funny friends are there for you. Yeah. And whatever, that's why styles make fights. And it's like, if you're into a Tony Hinchcliffe, you go do that. If you're into a Shane Gillis, you go do that. You're into a Matt Edgar, you come here, you go, yeah. You're into a, a, a Jason Rouse. You're into, you're into a Sean Rouse. <laughs> it's like you're into like whatever you're into. Like there's something for everyone. That's yeah. the beauty in it. Yeah. And um, I think it's our job as the performer to be a beacon of funny, where the people know that they have a place to go. But the only way that a beacon works is I got to put myself out there and show you that this is here for you guys. Yeah. If you need it, if you and can I'm, relate. I'm proud to walk on that tightrope for society. Yeah. Well, yeah. yeah, that's what you, that's the best you could do. Yeah. It's, I mean, in a way Risk it's liberating because I'm like, Hey, look, I'll never be able to build anything. I couldn't fix a car. Yeah. I'm not good with food, but I'll risk my feelings for you. They're not even night. my feelings at that point. It's like, I don't even, I don't even, I never worry about doing good or bad. I, I worry about having fun because I know if it's fun that we're all having fun. So mm-hmm. at the forefront, you come see me perform. It is going to be fun. And if it's not, that is a very, very, very rare off night. And then obviously it could happen because yeah. it's like anybody could have a bad night. There's a lot of factors. But for the most part, because it is such a – it is such value to others, um, I will do my part by doing the best that I could do. Yeah. And anything else, it's like – and I think this is like part of growing up, you know? And I think like – after you get the nerves settled, you know, comedy. Ari answering those fan mails is the best that he could do. I mean, dude, it's like anybody that's going to, you're going to commit to this, you got to go all the way. Yeah. Stand up, it's the only art form where you practice while doing it. Mm -hmm. I can't sit with my comedy and strum the comedy guitar in my bedroom alone where nobody's going to hear these shitty notes and me trying to figure out what a chord is. I do that up on stage in front of strangers, and that's what I've, I've been always doing. used the acoustic guitar as a, a metaphor for doing comedy. I go, you're literally tuning the guitar mm-hmm. in front of a live audience, gling gling. Yeah, you're trying to find yep. the gling. Absolutely, gling. I'm not a guitar player, that's but I can why, see the frustration. That's in it. why it takes so long to figure out, and I think that's really hard to do and not be nervous and not have stage fright. I mean, I remember before I used to have stage fright. I remember like trying so hard to stop my heart from racing and. Now it's like I'm. We're just so fucking wired that I don't even think I'm. There's no stage fright. It's excitement. I'm just excited. I see that guy up there. I've been waiting for this shit all day long. I can't wait. Give me that fucking mic. Uh, Are you performing? What day is it today? Are we doing the secret show tonight? 
I'm not going to be at the Ripon always show. waits till about three hours before the show to send me the lineup. Yeah, I did it last week. Um, You're spreading it out. Yeah, I spread. Oh, I just whenever he asks. Yeah, you know, he's it's, Red Band is a fucking angel. That he is an angel. There. Yeah, he's a um, cherub. Well, I don't think any of this this way that we're doing this uh, would be happening with without him. That's just my opinion. And hey, Sam Tripoli and Red Band single handedly kept my career alive in Los Angeles. Yeah, well, those are both really generous people. Yeah. And it's so funny because we laugh at like a Tripoli, like he's so outrageous. But God, if only you guys knew. It's so funny. Like <laughs> some the of these guys that seem like real assholes, like Tony he, Hinchcliffe, sweetheart. Yeah, I'm yeah. sorry to break it to you, but there's like guys that, and they don't want me to say it. This is I'm exposing them, but these guys are yeah. some of the best people I've ever met yeah. in my fucking life. The dude Ari Shafir, who's celebrating Kobe's death. You know, everybody hates him. What a piece of shit! Like, no, dude, he's done more for people than you have. Oh yeah, I yeah. guarantee you. Yeah, um, it's wild goes, though. And people have to explain me to people. He's not like that. Yeah. He's nice. Right. And then I stab them out of the blue and show yeah. them who's boss. Well, that's how you show love. That's how I show love. We all have our ways. One stabbing at a time. Yeah. Speaking of stabbing, um, what's the new year going to look like for you as far as live performances? Do you got uh, uh, You probably have certain times of the year that you go visit family. Yeah. And... Away from the Texas... Is this I, your I, first Texas winter? Yeah, it will be. Will be, okay. Yep. How do you feel about that? Because you did dip out of New York for the same bullshit. Yeah, I, I, uh, I can only last in New York until about November, and then I get too cold. I am <sighs> yeah, um, November I am SoCal through and through. I'm a fucking lizard. No, I get it. I'm dehydrated right now. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, as soon as it starts getting a little bit cold, I am freezing. Yeah. And but I'm gonna tough it out here. I'm okay. You know, I'm completely unprepared. I don't have anything. I don't no. have anything yet. I'm, oh, you're gonna be I, miserable. As things get colder, that's kind of how I operate. I wait till I need to. It's the uh, and there's plenty weather related garment. Like you can go to a hunting store and get a sick yeah. winter jacket. I basically am trying to look like Joe Rogan on a hunting trip. Yeah, that's gonna be my look. <laughs> Uh, but Gun next year, caddy. I'm here. I'm in Austin. I'm loving the scene. I'm finding all the spots. Mothership's been giving me a ton of love, so mm -hmm. I'll be I'll uh, ride that as long as I can. And um, you know, I have some festivals coming up, and um, you know, I'm just fucking doing the damn thing. Yeah, you know how this shit is. It's like we're, has it been eight months you've been here? No, it's been since Four? July. Mm, yeah, July. What is that? Okay, so you. That's nothing. That's nothing. That's nothing. I got a year lease, so I don't know what's going to happen after a year. And I, I don't know. I'm, at, I'm not going to stay here. I got a two-year lease. I'm not going to stay here forever. I know that. It's going to be What do you time. think you'd end up, though? By, oh, well, but you're a California I, kid I might, anyway. Yeah. Well, yeah. Why would you move home. to San Diego? No, I'll never do that. I don't, no? I don't like San Diego. No. I'm, I'm, um, I'm more LA than San Diego. Okay. But I... Uh, I think I'll, I'll keep going east. I mean, I don't want to say anything because I don't know what's going to happen. Sure. But I, I like um, the idea of going to New York, and I like the idea of traveling to London and checking it out. I, oh. see, I hear the scenes popping up in Mexico City. That sounds fucking That's sexy. Rad. So um, you know, I'm just going where where the where. Do you want to accompany me to Mexico City to do some gigs? Do you have some? No, but I did do a gig there a number of years ago. No shit. And I can reach out. It was a small... Uh, there's a place called the Beer Hall in Mexico City. It's their, They do one English night a month. Oh, interesting. And uh, I'd gone over and done a, a few shows. And this is 
fucking 10 years ago. Damn. Because I was doing all the Latino nights. Mm -hmm. I could, the white shows would not have yeah. it. So I get on the refried shows. Yeah. Russell Peters brought me down, introduced Riaz, and then yeah. I said, why don't you come out? To, you've been so cool with me here in L.A. Come and do some shows with mm -hmm. me in Canada. So he toured Western Canada with me. Wow. And then um, I pressed um, some other guys that I knew we were going over there. But I said, you must have one English night at least. And they did. Yeah. Well, I, I think there's more now. Hey, Seuss uh, Trey, who called yeah. me and says, there's a club here with your picture on the wall. What's <laughs> going on? Yeah, yeah. Isn't that wild? I know. Yeah. But I think comedy, it's such a humane thing that we do. Like, why wouldn't it be everywhere? Everywhere needs it. Yeah. It's crazy to me that there's places that don't have it. Yeah. It's like, get with it. You guys are. I think it's a good way to keep communism out of your laundry. I don't know what you mean. Freedom of speech. Oh, right. So if you've got a bunch of, look, and I think it should be, it should be, I think this might, we might be on to something. I think every country should be measured clearly on what kind of humorists are contributing to the, their local uh, culture. Mm. So I'd be suspect of co countries that don't have comedy. Mm -hmm. There's concerns. The guys over here still having to laugh at themselves. Yeah. Then there's no Gestapo. Right. Right? Yeah. That's a good point. Yeah, they didn't have comedy uh, in Nazi Germany. Dervry. Seven <laughs> Damn, years. Really? <laughs> Took you seven years? <laughs> no, no. You have a slow motor? I never graduated high school, but I did get a scholarship to a college, and that is where uh, I met Giannis Pappas. He was in the New York program, and I was in the Toronto program. And the graduation of the two programs uh, was a showcase at Caroline's. Mm. And we were putting all our sketch and stand-up to these two school uh, classes from uh, 60 students from New York. No, mm. 30 from New York and 60 from Toronto. And it was the first school. It was a writing and performing uh, for comedy. Oh, wow. So we had, like, mass studies and commercial acting voice and a whole thing. Wow. Well... When the time the school, because everybody had a nervous breakdown, I'd already been on television and been doing comedy for maybe about four years at that time. Yeah, I was not nowhere near a veteran, but I had successes and I was performing in comedy clubs regularly. Mm. So when I'd gone into the program, these were all like these Austin kids. Yeah, I thought I'd try it. I'm going to sign up for this comedy program for a year. Well, you know how egos can go. Yeah, people were crying. A lot of people were crying. A lot of people were upset. And immediately when I met Giannis, I'm like, I know this kid. I grew up with guys. Like, there was an yeah. instant thing. But none of us, we were two, from two uh, weird animals from different uh, entertainment scenes. Right. And now we're in a small New York elevator. And it's quiet. And people are about nervous about meeting each other for the first time. And I pull my pants down to my ankles and I fart in this elevator as we're going up 40 floors. And that's how we started our first family. Wow. That, yeah, yeah, that would break it open. The awkwardness. <laughs> it's this guy's here. Like, ever, I'm sure that people are more grateful than, than disgusted. It's like, oh, it was a relief. Somebody. I think it's called breaking the ice. <laughs> Melting the ice. <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, yeah, it's going to be an adventure, and, and it's cool. I'm glad you did sign a lease here for the year. Um, it's I've been here, uh, December will be three years. Wow. And uh, I enjoy it. But again, I try and disappear at least six months out of a year. You go back to Canada? I usually do two to three months of touring in Canada, mm-hmm. uh, and then about a month and a half in Europe. Oh, wow. So there's there's like a, a five and a half month period where I'm uh, away. Oh, and nice. then I come back here for six. I'm uh, I'm going to apply for citizenship next year, but I'm a, a Canadian refugee, so I have a green card. Oh, cool! I got a. I'm an alien with extraordinary ability, which oh, is very yeah. difficult. Yeah, that's a. It's a hard one. That's a hard thing because I've, I've known a lot of people that um, would be in. You know, they're here and they're having a blast, and then, then they have to go home, and it's like kind of shit. Oh yeah, you see how stops. many people from other countries come to the comedy store. Yeah. And they're like, yeah, you got the goods, but they don't last the year. No, especially from Canada. I feel like that's like the most popular country where I see that happening. Yeah. Because you, you guys are already like, pretty close out here, you know, or to LA. Like you guys just fly over. You don't have to fly over any water. And it's, so you think, why not go there? Or I'm sure New York is like a big one too for you. They guys. can't work. They don't have paperwork. Yeah. So they go over and showcase an audition with getting, you can't acquire any money. So you have to come over, do a little tap dance, and then leave. How many times a year can you do that? You know what I mean? And reintroduce. But then you could come back. You can come back. You can stay here six months less a day. Oh, okay. But now you need forty grand to hang out in Hollywood for half a year. And that's why these guys are going home. They tell their neighborhood to go fuck themselves. They move to L.A. going, I'm going to make it. And they go in the wood chipper, and they're gone. And they go back home, and they're broke, like, drug addicts, wait, people I, who've never had drug say, experiences you said before. Go fuck myself. Whose self am I supposed to fuck? Before you left, you told me to go fuck yourself, and now you're coming back here. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You kind of, you shouldn't, you shouldn't ever do that. <laughs> Girlfriend's pregnant. Oh, see ya. Gone. And you come back, your father. Speaking you're, of pregnant, I've, uh, I've never been pregnant. Me neither. But I have, um, I did shit in Ari's bathtub. Oh, I know. They were pissed. Um, where can people find you? Um, you can find me on Instagram. That's probably the gateway. Yeah. Uh, at Matt Edgar. Matt has one T in it. And Matt will be a fixture for definitely 12 months now. Yeah. Uh, coming up and um, we'll, we'll follow this up. I think we'll do one of these again in a year and see yeah. what your perspective. You might not even I, be I'm here. I'm just like, fuck this place. Yeah. I'm out. Nah, I, I, I'll see you in a year. We'll talk about it. Yeah. Thanks for being on the show and uh, thanks for watching everybody. Uh, I have uh, some things coming up, but you can uh, definitely go to all my social media and whatnot. And uh, let's smoke a doobie. Oh, I love that right let's now. Let's smoke a doobie. Cool. Beautiful, beautiful podcast, man. Great conversation. Lovely. Where can I pee? You can go right through here. There's a bathroom on your left. Oh, nice. This fucking bed, dude. Ugh. Of course. Oh, lighting in here. Great.
Safe word with Jason. <laughs>